Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. So as Russ said, my name is Jasmine, and uh, Russ and I was recently asked if we would... uh, kind of just give leadership to this location by Pastor Dave and Kim, and so we are doing that, though we, I got to say, we haven't been here very much. We just came back last week from two weeks in Scotland. Uh, We had gone in September to a conference there with um, Emma Stark, whose book we, and course we did a winter ago, and uh, when we were there, there was this opportunity to look at their, her prophetic school. And so at the time, I was really thinking, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to look at that. So I read the brochure, and I was instantly gripped with fear. And I'm like, I think this is going to be way too vulnerable. So I closed it up, didn't think about it. But then, you know, how God does, he brings it into your face and kind of pokes you a bit so that you rethink, is it really that bad? So then I, I, I looked at it again, and you have to apply before Christmas. And then I reread the brochure, you know, months later, and I thought, well, this isn't too bad. Why was I so afraid? But you know, the enemy, he's such a sly devil. He really just tries to drop hints of doubt. And anyway, so I applied. And so I was off there. Uh, you, there's weekly lessons and things that we're doing. And then you have to go to Scotland twice a year for their intensive. So this is what we went for. And it was an intensive. It was very full on. So then before we leave, I see Pastor Josiah says, hey, we'd like you to preach on the day you, or the Sunday almost that you get back. I'm like, oh, already? Like, I just, I just made it through May or, or February's or whatever I did. <clears throat> so I'm like, okay, click accept. I don't know what I'm going to preach on. But of course, I'm like, should I preach on this? Should I? Be? And then one, uh, one, of the, one of the mornings when I woke up in Scotland, uh, I thought that I could see the gods. I want you to preach on this prophecy thing that you're you're learning about. Like, really? I vacillated back and forth for a lot of different things and reread the email, but no, this is okay. Pastor Dave said, "Yeah, go for that." <clears throat> so I heard Jesse's sermon on hearing from God, and that was amazing, was it not? Yeah. yeah, that was very very good. So meaty, so easy to comprehend and practical. There is no way that you can't hear God. So this today's message is, um, I will say, piggybacking on that a bit. So if you're taking notes, my title, shorter than my last sermon's title, (laughs) Hearing God for Others, Speaking the Words of God. And I'm taking my my scripture from 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 6. And Jeremy's going to put it up there for us. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the, the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying, so the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, 
if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. So there's our basis. We're gonna, we're, we're help, it's a helpful thing. On Wikipedia, when you look up definitions, this is what one of the definitions says. Prophecy defined. A message that has been communicated to a person by God. I like this next definition from a different source. The gift of prophecy is a special ability to speak forth the message of God. A prophet is basically a spokesman for God, a spokeswoman for God. He or she delivers the word of God to people by means of direct revelation. Prophetic utterances can deal with certain individuals, the church, or a larger context. It does not always refer to the future. The word is used far more to proclaim the word of God rather than to predict the future. It sounds like a helpful thing, the definition, hey? So it's not all about predicting the future. Um, I think that happens, but it's not all about that, so we're not going to get hung up on that. So we know about prophecy from the Bible. In the Old Testament, there's about 60 prophets named, and there's 25 in the New Testament. Some of them in the, uh, are Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Deborah, John the Baptist. There's many others, but I wasn't going to list them all for you. Prophecy has been used to direct people, intervene for people, and push people towards God. It is a piece of a puzzle. Okay? It's not the whole thing. It's not, you're not coming with a revelation that's all they ever need is to hear from you as a person that's prophesying. It's a piece of the puzzle. It's a piece of the picture. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. We take all our direction from what the Bible says. That's why I'm giving these scriptures. It's not just my ideas. So what is prophecy not? It's not people reading. It's not fortune telling. And it's not a platform for people to, you know, promote themselves. Acts 16 <clears throat> tells the story of a young fortune telling girl who made money for her for her owners, because she was a slave, predicting the future. So this is not what we want. We're not doing it to make money, as this fortune-telling girl was. And she wasn't operating in the power of God, either. She was operating from the power of the enemy, because this, as we all know, Satan counterfeits God. He, can, he has no creative ideas. He has no new ideas. His ideas he takes from God, and he twists them to make you think about yourself more than thinking about God. So who can prophesy? Oh, wait a minute. Not that part yet. I want to read 1 John 4 about false prophets. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if somebody claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person as the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Antichrist, against Christ. Okay, it's not necessarily a person with a title. They are Antichrist. Matthew 7, really good um, 
Also, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. <clears throat> a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, you can add, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So it's your job to test what's said and to watch a person's life who's claiming to be a prophet, who's claiming to hear from God. It's your, you get to do that. And we, we, we look at all these things from what the Bible says. What is good fruit? What is good character? What are the things that reflect who Jesus is? That's our, that's our guide. So there are false prophets out there. We don't want to be uh, giving them much credit. So who's, who can prophesy? Not just, you know, the prophet coming to town. Bible says... <clears throat> in Acts 2, did I put that one up there, 16 to 18? I think, uh, what, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So that's everybody in this room has the ability to prophesy. <clears throat> I know, don't get freaked out. <clears throat> I just think we don't have these conversations. So what's the purpose of prophecy anyway? Like we have the Bible. Everything that we want to know about God and how to live the Christian life is in the Bible. <clears throat> why, why would we don't need the prophets to uh, tell us to hear from God because we can hear from God for ourselves and we know how to do that. I want to just read this quote um, because uh, Emma Stark, who we took the course from, she says prophecy is for breakthrough and I agree with her. It is for a breakthrough. Prophecy is a key that breaks stagnancy, breaks the stalemate, breaks through blockages, breaks down barriers, and releases forward momentum and progress back to a people. It propels forward kingdom work, and it stops the enemy. I think we need that. How many times do you, you're, work, you're getting you're in your life, you come up against things that you have no answers for, and you're praying for them, and you're asking God, and there just doesn't seem to be a clear passage. You know, this is where prophecy can be helpful, to break break down the walls really that the enemy puts up around us so that we feel like we don't hear from God. You know, that we're living in perpetual exhaustion. Well, we're not meant to be in perpetual exhaustion and you're doing all the right things to, to push through that. Maybe there's something more that God wants to be able to help you with and maybe a revelation through somebody would help you with something as simple as that. God has called us as part of our job description to set the captives free. Right? It's not an option. Prophecy is for helping others, and it's what our job is as a Christ follower. Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, meaning all of us. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. It's our job. 
And the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us to help us with this job. It's not like you're doing it in your own strength and your own great ideas. It is through the help of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is to bring hope. And it reminds people that they are known, that they see him. How many people go along and they don't have ever an encouraging word spoken to them? And your, your word of encouragement or your prophetic revelation for them will be like a, a bottle of water on a dry, dry day. It brings hope. Years ago, in about 2012, I had, I, I'm a journaler, and I have notes from Fergus McIntyre, <clears throat> a prophet from Australia, that has helped our church for a lot of years. And he came here several times, and he w- we would put on workshops, and he would preach. I was reading through my notes, and so much of what he said back then is what we have heard recently through our Emma Stark course, things about um, loving people and being the church that is changing and bringing hope to the world. And uh, Fergus was, one of his lines is, <clears throat> was always, when I turn up, things, something happens. Because he was so com- confident in who he was and the revelation from God that when he knew that when he entered a room that God was going to show up and back him up. And we can be like that. The Spirit of God wants to back us up. Fergus quotes 2 Corinthians 3.6. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. He has enabled us. This is a covenant not written of laws, but, by the, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, like Russ was talking about this morning. But under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. God enables us to prophesy because we have his Spirit living in us. When you turn up, God turns up. And your revelations of hope, given to you by the Spirit, help people. And that's what it's about, helping people. Pointing them to to the God of all hope. So you prophesy according to how much faith you have. Now, if you are really honest with yourself in this moment, what do you have faith for? It's such a challenge. Because... I think we we get some faith, and then we step back. And then we need some more, so we step a little bit further and get a little bit more. But lots of times we don't realize how little faith we have until it's time for us to use it. Um, Our faith is in who Jesus is. So how do you view God? What what is his role in your life? A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How often does God come into your mind, for one thing? But what you think about him. So the Bible tells us everything we need to know about who God is. Everything we need to know. Yet somehow, we still doubt and have trouble stirring our faith. We get sidetracked because life is sidetracking. It just is. Um, And the enemy, of course, his number one and easy seed is let's just distract them. Let's make their job so overwhelming that they don't even have time to think about Jesus. They got to they got to get home from work. They got to get dinner on the table. They got the kids in. Oh, now there's a problem with the kids. I'm got to deal with this. He is just a master at that. So when you feel like, oh my goodness, I feel burnt out, that is not true. That is the distractions of the enemy, so that you think that. And so if you can reshuffle your mind's thinking and the priorities of how you're making your day and give God 15 minutes and then it'll be easier to give him 30 minutes you will see movement in your life and you will see clearer and I think our physical bodies will respond 
to be less tired. Jesus warns us in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine: your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And that's what happens in this Western life. We're just barreling along and we know a little bit about God, but we need to know a lot more about God and encounter his power. So to build our faith, what do we got to do? We got to know the scriptures. We got to believe what the scriptures say. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And it says, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Through their faith. How many of us are known by our faith as a reputation? Not, I'm a, I don't think I am. But we should be known by our faith in our reputation. So we, re- we need to remind ourselves who God is. As I think if you, if you go to who God is, like back to that question, um, how you think about God, what comes to your mind, it becomes to be a part of your every day. This builds our faith, and it nourishes our spirit when we remind ourselves and produces a confidence in the ability and the power of God, and it makes it easier for us to prophesy hope and life into situations. Um, One of my tips is I try to speak it out loud. When I walk my dog, I try to speak out loud and decree truth and to shift my thinking from being whatever it is and distracted. So this is an example of some, some of the things I might say to shift my thinking to, to the bigness of God, right? He's not a Sunday God. He's a 24-7 God. Jesus saves us and he keeps us by his power from sin and death. He has given to us the keys of the kingdom along with his robe of righteousness. He extends his mercy, his long-suffering, his loving kindness, his tenderness, his healing, and his compassion without ever holding back. He restores, he rescues, he restores, he rescues. Think of that. He forgives and he redeems. He's not stingy, he's not unkind or out of answers. He always knows what to do and nothing takes him by surprise. How many times I have to remind myself of that? Nothing takes him by surprise. He is our shield, our defender, our rock and our hiding place. He is our provider, he is our counselor, he's our great shepherd and our friend who is closer than a brother. He is the source of all blessing. Now, just reading that, it reminds your spirit, and it stirs you up, right? Those are the qualities of God. I forgot about that. He's a redeemer. I'm going to think about that. You're a redeemer. One time I was uh, on a walk, and I was looking at these ladies ahead of me, and I was asking God for uh, a revelation of heaven about them. And I wasn't going to go up to them and talk to them, but I was trying to practice hearing from God, and I felt God... Uh, say to me, I think, and I felt this, that, that one of them was thinking of adopting a child. And I remember thinking, oh, all right then. Uh, Russ and I have an adopted child. This is a big deal to adopt a child. And a mother's heart is very heavy. And a father's heart is very heavy when they want a child. So I began praying for this lady and, about her wanting an adoption. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you know that adoption's my idea, right? that I adopt you, that I love you, I adopt you, I'm an adopter, I'm a redeemer. It's my idea for the world. I want all men to know me, to be adopted into my kingdom. Now, I wasn't setting out to know that, but God wanted to use that lesson to remind me how important adoption is, that he is a father with 
infinite room in his family for more children, more people to be a part of the kingdom. So declaring who he is builds your spirit up, and it can shift your atmosphere. And saying things out loud reminds the enemy who is in the atmosphere what you believe. And it makes him smaller, and it makes him less intimidating and less powerful in your situation. Because as you're declaring the things of who God is to you, you're building up your spirit. And you're building your faith so that when... God says to you, I want you to pray for so-and-so, and I'm going to give, you know, he's going to give you a revelation. You know that God's going to come through for you because yeah. you have this attitude in your heart already that, right, God is big. Yeah. There's room. There's room. So the purpose of prophecy is to get people free, right? It's, 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 just, not, it's just not a nice word. It's to get people free and push them towards God. There's a story in the book of Ezra. It's mainly the entire book, actually. So the people of God, the Israelites, <clears throat> had been in captivity in the city of Babylon. And they were exiled there. They were not allowed to be on their own. They had to take on the ways of Babylon. But eventually, one of the kings said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let some of these Israelites go, and they can return to Jerusalem and build their temple so they can worship God. So... <clears throat> that was cool. I think the people were pretty shocked. But he sent them under the leadership of Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and other leaders of Israel. So off they went. And they started rebuilding the foundations because it had been totally destroyed. Now the enemies of the Israelites, they heard about this rebuilding. And they were probably other religious people. I'll just put that out there. They heard what they were doing and they didn't like it. And they made plans to interrupt the building and to sabotage their progress. They did all kinds of things to distract them from the purpose of God. They even lobbied the kings. Are you sure that you should be letting these people do this? You know that once they get going on this, they're going to be a force and they're going to be totally anti-government. Anti-king, it's not going to go well. So they lobbied the king and they lobbied the king and eventually they convinced the king <clears throat> and they succeeded. So here the king had let them go and now he said, no more. Can't do it. We don't want them to get stronger. We don't want them overtaking our kingdom. So they got the foundations done, but nothing else. So the work was stopped and remained at a standstill for 20 years. They were so discouraged, and they, they had no encouragement to get going. Until Ezra 5.1 says, at the time the prophets Haggai and Zechariah prophets of Israel, they prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Zerubbabel, Jeshua, responded by starting again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and helped them. So the prophets prophesied to the people, like, come on, people, we can do this. This is a God thing. We can do this, etc., etc. After 20 years of, you know, waiting, so think of it 20 years from now, Elodie will be in her own home. She will not be a child in there, in the Weston house. So almost, a, you know, there are grown-ups. So these children, when they had stopped, the building had stopped when they were children, and now they were adults. And now they were needing to be encouraged by a revelation from the prophets, like, come on, get, up, get on board with this project. We need to do this. And they had to be instructed but they needed the voice of God to believe that. 
couldn't just been a coffee table talk. They needed to know. The scriptures record that the king at the time, King Darius, he protected the project. And people were still trying to discourage them. But he warned certain officials to stay away from the build now that it got started. Don't disturb the construction of this temple of God. Let it be rebuilt. And by the way, he said, and all you, um, all you guys, you're going to pay for all the construction costs. So the people that were trying to diminish what God wanted done, they ended up paying for what God had done. Now that's a turnaround. And if the prophets hadn't spoken up and a shift hadn't taken place, maybe that would never gotten done. And maybe they would have had to pay for it out of their own pockets another 10 or 20 years later. But God provided the prophets and he provided the finances. I think this is a great, a great encouragement. I particularly was trying to find something uh, more current about prophecy. And God said, well, what about the story of Saul? I'm like, what do you mean Saul? <clears throat> so then I was reading in Acts 9. Uh, the story of Saul, who was a very religious Jew. He, he would have been one of the people that we would listen to. He was very educated, very influential. But he got it in his head that the followers of Jesus were not really following the true God. So his mandate, his own personal mandate, was to gather up those who were following Jesus and put them in prison. And it seems far-fetched, and yet it's really not. How many people are, are zealously doing something that they think is for God, but it's not got the heart of God, but somehow people follow them and the heart of God gets lost? So that's kind of what was happening here. The heart of God was lost for Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. So that's why he was going to Damascus. He wanted letters. So they would cooperate and arrest all the followers of the way that he found, and he would bring them to them and put them in jail. So he was really politically motivated and knew people in high ranking. So he, to get these letters was his thing. So on the way, he, he's on his way to get these letters. And while he's there, as he's approaching Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now this guy is a Jew, of all Jews. He knows stuff. He knows all the rituals. He's been a part of the church his whole life. What does he say? Who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. Okay, the guy is blind. His men that were with him saw the light, said they didn't hear the voice. They heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. So they had to help him get to Damascus, and there he was waiting. Now think of that was you. You're sitting there, and followed this voice from this light, and here I am in this city, in this place, and I'm waiting. I can't see. I have to be waited on. And I bet he was very troubled. You are the Lord. That voice was the Lord. Why didn't I recognize that voice? So the, the part that I think is so interesting is the Lord spoke to a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. 
go over to Straight Street to the house of Judah, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. <laughs> Ananias is like, whoa, 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 Lord, this guy's a killer. Are you sure you got the right one? I've heard many people talking about the terrible things this man has done. He's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. So Ananias is having a dialogue with God. We can have this dialogue too. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument. Here's the revelation. He's my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer my, for my sake. So Ananias went and he found Saul, laid his hands on him, and he was able to see. God let Ananias in on his secret plans for Saul. God chose to limit himself by using Ananias to deliver his message of hope. The revelation from God to Ananias brought the help that Saul needed. Could you imagine how full of shame he must have been and regret for all the things and the things that he thought were the right things and he had been influencing and harming people? He needed that word. He needed to hear from heaven that he was God's instrument and that he was going to he was going to be an influencer for the one he was persecuting. And he got right up and he was baptized and ate some food and gained his strength. These are the life-giving things that prophecy does. They shift people's lives. They shift, they shift people and they, they bring a breath of fresh air to them where they have not maybe been breathing in these areas. And God is so compassionate. He wants us to be those prophets. He wants us to prophesy to people and be the one that brings his light. So how are we going to do this? At this course that I was at, <clears throat> one of Emma's talks was, you know, you don't always have time to pray. You can't just sit in your car and speak in tongues for 15 minutes before you meet your friend for coffee. Like, if... God wants to speak to you. He wants you to be ready. So don't think that you don't pray enough in order for God to give you revelation because that's not true. You should pray, but you don't have to pray for 30 minutes before you're going to get anything because you've got to go meet that person who you know needs a, a word of encouragement. You're going to be ready just by your daily life. So what I want you to do is I want you to ask God to speak to you about someone you know who needs to hear a word of encouragement. Or maybe he will just remind you of somebody that you haven't thought of this week. And it's as simple as that. God, show me somebody who needs an encouraging word this week. God may begin by showing you a picture in your mind or a person. He may direct you to a particular Bible verse maybe. And that verse might be the thing that God wants you to deliver. I don't know. I don't want you to give it to them. <clears throat> he may just give you one word like I had that day. The word adoption over that lady. Oh. It was for him speaking to me, a revelation about adoption. I wasn't adopting. I've already done that. But it was about the revelation of God's heart. Is, an adopt, is it about adoption? <clears throat> Might be one word. And then it's my job to ask God again for more details. You can have a dialogue with him like Ananias did. Are you sure? What do you mean by that? Like what, 
Okay, I see this person, they're in their truck, they must be going somewhere, what does that mean? And wait, and God's going to tell you. He's going to drop a thought into your mind, that guy needs encouragement because he just lost his job. Oh, he's out looking for a job. Oh, okay. You have these dialogues with God. Then write down what he says. I don't know about you, but I don't remember everything. Get it in your phone, write it on a piece of paper, and pray about it some more. Because there's, there's more than just, oh, I saw you in your truck. I heard you lost your job. How are you? No, you want to have, I saw you, and God sees you, and he knows that you need a job, and he is going to come through for you. I'm not sure where that job is, but maybe God will tell you where a job is. And you're going to, you know, suggest, what are you going, I heard they were hiring at such and such a place. Maybe that person didn't know that. These are just basic practical things. People need life. And you have the life. You have the revelation. So, be brave. I know it's hard. At that course, they made us prophesy every day over strangers. Every day. And the place was humming loud. There was 180 people in there. And you had to meet this person. You had... Okay, you're going to prophesy for two minutes. Two minutes is a long time. So be brave. It, it, you can do it. <laughs> and be kind. Be kind. Remember, usually when you're given a revelation for somebody, they're, in a hurt, they're a hurting unit. They don't need you to tell them that they screwed up. They already know that. So if you think you're telling them about that they're a screw up, that's not what God wants you to tell them. God wants you to tell them that they can get back up. That they have hope. That he has a plan. And he's going to direct their path. Then you got to approach the person. And if you are uncertain about what you have to say, come and ask me. I'll help you. I don't think this is very much. I don't know if it's right. might not be. But it might be just a small thing to get us started, right? Just a little, a little word of encouragement. Then once you give the word to the person, either in person or in a note or whatever, just leave it there. Try not to, like, dialogue a whole bunch with them. Because they know, they hear from God. They'll hear. They'll, they'll be witnessed. Like, they'll understand and they're like, it'll confirm something to them. And just be open to if they want to dialogue later. But don't, don't try to dialogue and over-explain it and give it direction because God's already shown you what it is. Let him do his thing after you've done your thing. He's not just going to leave the person hanging. There's so many people who we know and we love. So many, so many people that we touch. You know, we're part of their world every day, whether they know God or not. But they need an infusion of hope from heaven. People have been looking for a breakthrough. They're looking for answers. And they're looking for light in their corner. And you have it. We all have what they need. We have access to the one true God who loves and comforts his people. We all can grab hold of revelation because we have Jesus. We can get that revelation from him and we can bring a shift into their world. So let's be brave and let's prophesy. Let's, let me just pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are a God of grace and kindness and you want your people to be brave. And you want your people to, to deliver your words of love and revelation to people. 
You want to have a relationship with us that is more than just a Sunday relationship because we, our world is 24-7 and you want us to be utilizing the Spirit of God within us. So I just pray right now, God, that your spirit, the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of love will fall upon the people in this room and who's ever listening to this, that you would grab a hold of the spirit of God. You would remind yourself who God is so that you can take his bigness, his amazingness to the people who are looking, to the people who need a breakthrough. And we will give you all the glory, God, as we step out in faith for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.